Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today's topic is healthy lifestyle choices. Prevent insulin resistance and diabetes. My guest is Vicky de Peer, professionally trained chef and food writer from Woerden in the Netherlands. Welcome, Vicky. Thank you, Mariette. Thank you for inviting me. To our listeners, after our conversation, Vicky will give us her five tips on things we can do to stabilize our blood sugar levels, and then it will be fun question time. Vicky, would you like to tell us a little more about where you live and what you do for a living? Um, yes, so we live in Burden. Uh, we are a South African family that moved to the Netherlands about three years ago. And I basically am a food writer and recipe developer and photographer. So I do a lot of uh, recipe development for magazines like Lose It, uh, Low Carb Foods, uh, Workshops anything to do with healthy eating and healthy food. And sometimes you also come to South Africa for this work, don't you? Yes, yes. I visit South Africa quite um, often to come and do workshops and also to launch my cookery books. Yes, it's, I love South Africa. Vicky, we've just talked about cookery books and you've published award-winning cookery books. Today we're talking about one of them that has sold over 40,000 copies worldwide. It's now been reworked and republished as the Type 1 and Type 2 Diabetes Handbook with over 100 low-carb recipes and it was written by you together with pediatric dietitian Kath McGaw and Professor David Siegel, a practicing diabetes pediatric specialist. My question is, as a culinary expert, how did you come to focus on diabetes? Uh, Mariette, my son Luca was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was 8 years old. And obviously being a chef and a, a, a cook, I immediately changed our diet and um, did a lot of research on diabetes. But it was only after about eight years of, of living with diabetes with Luca that I met Professor Tim Noakes and he introduced me to a low-carb diet for diabetics. So um, at that stage, we changed our whole diet as a family and had wonderful results with Luca's blood sugar. Um, and it came to a point where I approached Libby from Coventry and we decided to do a book about diabetes. Um, and it was so amazing because, you know, when, when Luca was diagnosed when he was eight years old, I was really struggling to find information about diabetes, uh, the practical things about living with it on a day-to-day -day basis. And also, you know, there's a lot of things on the internet that's more American-based. So there was nothing for South Africans. So I always wanted to write a book to help parents with newly diagnosed type 1 diabetics um, on how to deal with diabetes, not just with uh, food and cooking, but also just the day-to-day -day living with this disease, going to school, going to parties, um, going to camping, things like that. 
And then this book was born and I wrote it with Kath McGaw because she's such a specialist pediatric dietitian. And she, um, at that stage, has been a lot of success, had a lot of success with children with epilepsy and uh, low-carb diets. So she could relate a lot and, and teach me a lot about uh, the healthy way to do this diet. And that is, was how the low-carb solution for diabetics were born. And this book was taken up uh, by Pavilion Publishers in the UK. At that stage, that was the second print of the book. And that's when we included Professor David Siegel. Um, he's an absolute specialist on low-carb diets and managing type 1 diabetes. So that book was published about six years ago. And then now in South Africa, we had the chance to update the South African version to be more in line with the UK book. And we realized also that things have changed in the management of diabetes. Although your journey started with diabetes type 1, the book also covers diabetes type 2. Why is that? Well, because as we basically started preaching this new way of, of dealing with diabetes, a lot of type 2 diabetics bought the book. And we had a lot of um, people contacting us and saying, listen, it changed my life. I went onto the low-carb diet. Um, I've lost so much weight. My blood sugars are stable. So the recipes and the content are still applicable. And we wanted to change the book to be not focused only on children because the first book was very almost childlike also in design and focus. So we made that as a separate section for type 1 diabetics and parents with type 1 diabetics. And then we have a whole section on type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes, but also just on the daily management of diabetes with insulin, how to test your blood sugars, how to uh, manage highs and lows, how to adapt and change your insulin dosages, things like that, that diabetics deal with on a daily basis, but there's not a lot of information out there on how to do it. So the recipes are still the same recipes uh, that worked before because, you know, it, it's just low-carb recipes, good, healthy, nutritious recipes for families because that's the food that we eat on a daily basis. But we wanted to include also the type 2 diabetics and, and that mostly and mainly is adult diabetics. Yes, and I'd like to say that what I really love about the book is the sections where you say what you have learned through the years, that, that very practical advice. Yes, I think that is the main thing, um, you know, that you live with this disease on a daily basis and you, you learn each day. And after a few years, I, I know that our own endocrinologist, our own doctor, he always says, you know, he listens to us because we live with the disease and we almost have more knowledge, you know, mm. on a certain level mm. of this disease than a medical professional who studies books about this disease. So, for us, it was very important to, to convey the personal experience of, and the learnings that, that we gained. Yes, it makes it so hands-on. Vicky, what is the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? So type 1 diabetes normally um, is called juvenile diabetes, although these days people are older and are diagnosed older and older. But basically, your body's immune system attacks the beta cells in your pancreas and destroys it and destroys the ability to make insulin. 
So you do not have any insulin in your body. So if the glucose comes into your bloodstream, there's no insulin to absorb it and take it to your cells for energy. So it stays in your blood. And it's very important for type 1 diabetics to inject insulin to help their bodies to transform the glucose and move it out of their veins. So with a type 2 diabetic, you basically, your pancreas is still whole. You can still make insulin. You can still secrete insulin. But your cells in your body cannot absorb the insulin effectively because you have had constant high blood sugars for such a long time that your body needed more and more and more insulin to keep it normal. In the long run, you will also have to start injecting insulin to help your body to move the glucose from your veins into your cells. Let's start with blood sugar levels. What are normal blood sugar levels? So a normal healthy person will operate between 4 to 6 millimole per liter glucose in their blood, and that's normal. Um, we talk about a fasting blood glucose. So if you go and you have your blood glucose tested, they will tell you not to eat anything because um, – Food, any food that you eat is turned into glucose in your bloodstream and that will make your blood glucose rise. Um, so it's better to have your blood test done fasting. And if you have a, a blood test that's higher than six when, you know, on a fasting uh, level, then it may indicate that you are already pre-diabetic because it's um, elevated. But there's a lot of reasons for uh, elevated blood sugars. So it's not always a sign of, of pre, you know, pre-diabetes. But that's your normal range, four to six millimoles per liter. Why are normal blood sugar levels important? So your blood sugar is so important because it basically influences your whole body's health. And it's very important to keep it constant in the long run. So if you have constant elevated blood sugars, it can lead to something at which we call insulinemia. So then you ha have to have more insulin in your body to manage the glucose. Insulin is the hormone that takes the glucose from your blood and takes it to your cells so that you can use it as energy. So the more glucose you have, the more insulin you need to take the energy to your blood cells. Um, and these things are so important because elevated blood sugars in the long run is very harmful for your cardiovascular system. So what happens in your, in your body when you have constant elevated blood sugars is that the glucose in your blood literally packs on the side of your blood vessels and it causes plaque to build up. And when that plaque loosens up, that's what causes strokes and, and, and heart attacks. So also it makes you, if you have high blood sugars, you will find that you don't have a lot of energy. It may influence your mood. It may influence your liver and your function of your kidneys. So high blood glucose puts pressure on your whole body, not just your, your heart um, and also your brain. If you have high blood sugars, you will find that you have brain fog. You can't concentrate. It will influence your sleep. There's a lot of research done on the connection between high blood glucose and, and restless sleep. And that has a whole other cycle of hormone imbalance that happens in your body. So it's a very, very important thing to keep under control. Which factors can influence our blood sugar levels, Vicky? 
So firstly, food, that's the most important thing. If you eat, your blood glucose level will rise because I did explain that the food is, got, is changed into glucose in the blood and that is absorbed by your cells. So that immediately rises your blood sugar. If you have a meal that's very high in refined carbohydrates like um, pizza or bread and things like that, it will rise even higher because carbohydrates are turned into glucose very quickly in your bloodstream and it's a lot of glucose being pumped into your bloodstream. So food definitely influences your your blood sugar. Um, if you are sick and fighting an infection, you will definitely have raised blood sugars. I think that's a, a big part of feeling awful when you have flu or a very bad cold. You, you don't feel good. Uh, you feel shaky. And, and many times I think it is actually your blood sugar levels that's high. It's an indication that you are fighting an infection. Um, stress. Stress is a, pushes your blood sugar levels up. It also pushes your cortisol levels up, another hormone in your body that makes you insulin resistant, which will also then increase your, your blood sugar levels. So your stress levels are very important. Then also your age. Sadly, uh, things like estrogen, for example, in women's bodies, actually help us absorb insulin better. So it keeps your blood sugar under control. And as you grow older and you go into menopause and your estrogen levels um you know, go lower, you tend to, to start to struggle with your blood sugars and become more insulin resistant. So these are all factors that influence your blood sugar levels. Thank you, Vicky. What are the dangers of high blood sugar levels? So um, it's a very bad cycle in your body. If you have constant high blood sugar levels, it can lead to insulinemia, which is raised insulin levels. And that in the long run can lead to insulin resistance that could lead to weight gain, uh, specifically around the middle. And this middle fat we call visceral fat. And that in turn starts to metabolize and make you even more insulin resistant. So it's a very bad cycle to fall into with your overall health. Before we discuss insulin resistance further, why is it important to focus on stable blood sugar, especially as you grow older? So as I mentioned previously, your hormones change quite significantly as you grow older. For example, with estrogen, estrogen protects your heart against heart disease and it also helps you absorb insulin better. So with reduction of estrogen, your blood sugar levels are already higher than normal. Um, so it's very important to control your blood sugar as you get older. And if you have constant blood sugars as you get older, you also have higher insulin levels. And high insulin levels are connected with diseases like Alzheimer's. Also, high blood sugar is connected with Alzheimer's. So um, it's actually called diabetes 3 because of the connection between blood sugar and insulin in the brain. So it's very, very important for the way that we grow older and the quality of life that we will have as um, aging people to control your blood sugars from the start. I wasn't even aware of diabetes type 3 until I read the book we're discussing today. Yes, it's quite shocking. Mm. Vicky, what is insulin resistance? So insulin resistance is when cells in your muscles, fat and liver don't respond well to insulin. So although your pancreas is still um, able to secrete insulin, it is not absorbed properly by your body. And that um, causes elevated blood sugars. 
And slowly but surely, this constant insulin resistance becomes worse and worse until your body cannot absorb the insulin at all and you have to start injecting insulin. Um, and that is also a very good way if you are concerned about your health and you don't feel well and your blood glucose are still looking normal, to rather ask for an insulin test because you will see that your insulin levels will be raised already to keep those normal blood sugars. And that is called insulemia. So it's, it's, it's heightened insulin in the blood already um, because your body is struggling to get, to get the blood glucose in your blood to normal. Many people think when we look at insulin resistance, the culprit is dietary fat. Is this true? No, you know, there's, it's old research that was interpreted in a very specific way. And since then, a lot of new research has been done about the real cause of heart disease. And the real cause of heart disease basically is inflammation in the body caused by this constant high blood sugars. Insulin resistance is caused by a diet of refined carbohydrates. If I talk about refined carbohydrates, I talk about things like uh, foods made with flour, processed food made with a lot of sugar, hidden starches, uh, sugary drinks, and things like that. So if you have constant high blood glucose levels, your body will become insulin resistant because you have to excrete so much more insulin to move the glucose into your cells for energy. So insulin resistance is caused by a diet high in refined carbohydrates and not dietary fat. Thank you, Vicky. In the type 1 and type 2 diabetes handbook, I read that insulin resistance can be temporary or chronic. What causes temporary insulin resistance? So temporary insulin resistance are mainly caused by your hormones. For example, a woman going through her period might have a dip in her estrogen levels or before, just before she has a period, and that will make her more insulin resistant. Or you might be fighting a disease or an infection. So, and also high levels of stress or even a traumatic uh, incident might make you insulin resistant for a while because of high levels of cortisol in your bloodstream when you, when you go through a stressful time. So that is temporary and after this action is passed, you will, you will stabilize again. When we are talking about chronic insulin resistance, this is insulin resistance over a long time and this is basically caused by diet and lifestyle. Uh, lifestyle, sedentary lifestyle, not getting enough movement and then also a diet high in carbohydrates because these refined carbohydrates like flour and sugar is also hidden in a lot of different processed foods and this will cause constant high blood sugars which in the long run we have discussed will cause insulin resistance. What is the danger of chronic insulin resistance? So chronic insulin resistance will cause type 2 diabetes in the long run. It will cause raised cortisol levels in your body, which will make you even more insulin resistant. So it's a very bad cycle to be in. And this, in the long run, can cause type 2 diabetes.
a short note on the book we're discussing in this episode. It is estimated that one in three adults have pre-diabetes and are on their way to full-blown diabetes. Low-carb living is recommended for young and old battling insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome and pre-diabetes. The type 1 and type 2 diabetes handbook was first sold eight years ago as the low-carb solution for diabetes, with over 40,000 books sold worldwide and an ever-changing space. The content has now been improved and republished. Although the book is a handbook, it still contains over 100 recipes and is an arsenal of classic, quick and favourite dishes. In it you'll find weekly meal plans, new information since science has advanced, practical information on dealing with diabetes issues on a day-to-day basis, and strategies on how to change to a low-carb lifestyle. Using this book will help you reduce or avoid the need for diabetes medication in type 2 diabetes, get better control of glucose, have more freedom to live a normal life, improve concentration and performance, increase long-term health and reduce the risk of heart disease, strokes and high blood pressure. Type 1 and Type 2 Diabetes Handbook with over 100 low-carb recipes by Vicky de Beer, Kath Gore and Professor David Siegel is published by Quivertree Publications. It's available at all bookshops in South Africa and online. The online links will be posted in the podcast notes. Now, back to Vicky. Vicky, where does pre-diabetes come in? So pre-diabetes is where your body is already struggling to absorb the insulin uh, effectively. So you have constant high blood sugars and you are already secreting a lot more insulin to to keep them under control, but your body is still succeeding in doing that. But it's danger signs. You will have elevated blood sugars. You will have elevated insulin levels. You probably will be feeling very tired. You will start to gain weight. So this is sort of the danger zone before actual type 2 diabetes is diagnosed. And this is the stage where you can have the most significant changes when you change your lifestyle and your diet. I see. Now, in the context of what we've discussed, how can the 100 plus low carb recipes in the type 1 and type 2 diabetes handbook help? So all of these recipes are gluten-free and sugar-free. You know, these are the things that cause inflammation in your body. Chronic inflammation that we said is also a precursor to heart disease. All these recipes are low in carbohydrates. They contain good quality proteins and good quality fats, uh, which help your body to fight you know, diseases and also to keep your blood sugar stable. It is just nutrient-dense recipes um, with lots of antioxidants that also protect you against environmental factors. So I think in general, these recipes are very good for your general health and for the general health of your family. 
you forgot to mention that they're delicious. <laughs> because I've been using your low-carb recipes for years and I can just say they're worth trying. Thank you so much. It's, it's the food that we eat. And I always say that, you know, when we wrote the first book, if Luca and the kids in the house didn't like a recipe, it, it wasn't uh, placed in the book. So some of them, it's just our family food from, from many years. And some of the recipes were specifically developed because at that stage, uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of different recipes for low-carb bread and low-carb rolls and things like that. But that was the taste test. If if Luca didn't want to eat it and all of us didn't like it, then we just didn't include it. And we, when we did this new publication of, you know, the, the reprint, we went through all those recipes again and said which ones are still applicable, which ones are still delicious. And we basically kept everything, <laughs> mm. which is quite amazing for a cookbook that's been on shelf for, for more than seven years now. Um, those recipes really work, especially the bread and the, and some of the cake recipes, which are really hard for, uh, you know, diabetics to find delicious cake recipes that, that still taste nice, you know. Yes. Without any flour, sugar, or <laughs> anything like that. Yes, I think it, it takes a bit of doing to get those recipes, to create those recipes. And I think many people are thankful and will be thankful for that. I hope so, yeah. Vicky, where can listeners learn more about your low carb work? Um, I have written another low-carb book uh, called My Low-Carb Kitchen that's available in South Africa on Take a Lot and Loot. And then I also write, you know, low-carb articles for uh, magazines like Lose It magazine, which is they are it's the only low-carb magazine in South Africa, so they can have a look there. And where can listeners find the Type 1 and Type 2 Diabetes Handbook? So uh, it's everywhere on all bookshops, local bookshops, your local bookshops, but also it's available online at Take-A-Lot and Loot. So, yeah, it's basically available everywhere where you would find good books. Now, it's time for your five tips on things we can do to stabilize our blood sugar levels. So the first thing I would say is to change your diet to a low-carb diet, to avoid gluten and sugar, uh, which will reduce the inflammation in your body. Um, because as we know, chronic inflammation causes cardiovascular disease. Um, by eating a low-carb diet, you already include a lot more fibrous vegetables and green leafy vegetables, which is very good for your gut health, things like broccoli and spinach and cauliflower. Um, it's just a lot of our health goes around our gut health and eating enough fiber really improves your gut health and that in turn will improve your blood sugar levels. I think sleep to get a good restful night is so very important because if you do not sleep well, then your body naturally uh, rises your cortisol levels. And as we have heard, cortisol tend to make you insulin resistant. So sleep and having a good sleep routine is very important. Um, to control your stress is so very important because stress constantly uh, raises your blood sugar levels. It makes you more insulin resistant because you have higher cortisol levels. And, and one of the ways to reduce stress is to do moderate exercise, you know, to just go for a slow walk, be outside in nature and 
that is a very important way to lower your blood glucose levels. Uh, moderate exercise really is such a good way to have stable blood sugar levels, and it's a good stress release. And then I just, yeah, I just think um, in general, to reiterate for me, eating a low-carb diet where you cook every day, you cook your own food, then you know what goes in there. It's not processed. It, there's no hidden sugars and hidden starches, and it is just so much more nutritious. There's been a lot of studies done that people who cook every day have a far lower uh, incidence rate for type 2 diabetes because absolutely you can eliminate all the processed sugars and refined flours from your food. Yes, and I'd like to mention there that you are a person who creates shortcuts because I think many people, when they hear I have to cook every day, they just go, I'll never have the time. So in your books, in your cookery books, there are many, many shortcuts. And uh, I think before people think they don't have the time to cook every day, they should just have a look. <laughs> yes, also, I'm also a busy mom. Um, and although I'm a chef and I cook every day, you know, it is sometimes a bit daunting to think, what must I cook for dinner? So I really try to work on, on you know, preparing in advance um, on, a, on a Sunday or so. I would always make a big pot of bone broth for the family because if we have that in the fridge, that becomes breakfast and lunches that I know is super nourishing and very good for everybody's blood sugar. Um, so there's a bit of cooking in advance. There's a bit of cooking in bulk. And the recipes in the type 1 and type 2 diabetes handbook are written in such a way that you can make one big pot of bolognese and then you know have four other meals that you can potentially make with that because I realize that it is daunting to cook every day, but there is definite ways in which you can do it to keep you and your family healthy. Yes. Now, are you ready for your fun question? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> I know that you love music, Vicky. If you could cook for any singer, whether someone from the past or someone who is still performing, who would that be? Oh, dear. <laughs> I think um, just because I would love to meet her and I love her music um, would be, I think, Adele. I would like to cook for Adele. Mm. I wonder what she would, would like. <laughs> Yes, I'm not sure, um, but um, she's lost a lot of weight recently and she looks absolutely wonderful. So I am wondering whether she's not already on a low-carb diet. So maybe it will be a good fit. Mm, mm. And one thing I know is that the table is going to look absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. Thank you, Vicky, for clarifying these issues for us Reading the book, I must admit, and I haven't got through it completely, but there are so many things that I didn't know. For instance, what a struggle it is to, to have type 1 diabetes, especially in your life, and how difficult it is to manage it from day to day. So thank you for explaining this to us, and I really hope it points many people who need it to the book. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Mariette. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. I'd be honoured if you would subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. 
If this episode inspired you, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website www.marietsneeman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.